Hello, everybody. It is your friendly dog training mentor, April Boulevard. Thank you so much for coming in and listening to another one of my Why Does My Dog Do That podcast. So before we get into this week's podcast, let's get the formalities out of the way. First of all, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please favorite and subscribe so you don't miss them. Also, if you're really enjoying them, don't forget to leave a favorable review on places like iTunes and Google so that way your fellow dog lovers will find these podcasts a lot easier. And finally, if you think that these podcasts are awesome sauce, you can go to anchor.fm backslash dog mentor and leave me a monetary thank you. Buy me a cup of coffee. I greatly appreciate it. If you do do this, please screenshot it and send it to me at dogtrainerhk at yahoo.com. I'll have that in the descriptions because I want to give you a shout out on my podcast and also a gift. So now that we've got the formalities out of the way, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to part two of our three-part series, Can I Have a Pet? So if you didn't listen to part one, you're definitely going to want to go back and check that out because that really talks about the question and how to deal with that question. And if you are thinking of possibly getting that pet, then you want to listen to this podcast because this week we're going to talk about research. So you're probably thinking research. Really? Because research is time consuming. It's uh, sometimes mostly boring, right? Um, it's, it's not something that we really look forward to most of the time. Um, I could probably just go into the pet store and they're going to give me a care sheet. They're going to be knowledgeable about the animals that are in there and they'll tell me everything I need to know and I will be just fine. Unfortunately, a lot of times that's not the case. Uh, there are some pet stores that do have people that know a lot about uh, certain animals they sell, but you're not always going to get that person. And also, here's uh, the hard truth. Um, those animals are commodities. Um, they are sellers and you are buyers. And uh, regardless of whether you are going to be able to handle having that pet or it's a good fit for you, they are going to sell it to you. So sometimes uh, just going to the pet store and not really looking into uh, that pet and seeing if it's going to be something that you are able to handle and have enough time to care for um, is not a good idea because they're really not going to steer you away from buying um, one of the pets in the store. Along with that is um, in doing research, one of the first things that you should do is look into any shelters and rescues that might have uh, the pet that you're looking for. Now, I know a lot of us think that, um, you know, the most common um, uh, shelters are dogs and cats, and that's true, but there are plenty of um, rescues and uh, shelters for other animals as well. Um, believe it or not, there are guinea pig rescues, there are ferret rescues, there are hamster rescues. Um, if you want a certain breed of dog, there are um, breed specific rescues. Um, and 
in doing that, uh, you're really helping out a pet who's in need of a home. And um, a lot of the pets that we buy in the pet store are um, not coming from the best of care. Um, they're not transported in the most friendly of ways. And um, one of the main ways to kind of tell breeders, because really they're just in it for the money, uh, that we don't want uh, animals that are uh, ill-treated and um, the, the uh, parents of those animals uh, that are not taken care of is by not buying from pet stores and um, just rescuing the animals that are already out there. If the breeders feel like there is not a lot of money in continuing the breeding process, they will no longer breed. So definitely, definitely do some research and look and see if possibly there is a rescue or shelter that has the type of pet that you want. And that way you are giving a pet that really, really needs a home, a good home. So the next part of that research is you want to involve your child. So my son is seven, so he's not, um, you know, he's still young, but I was able to involve him in the research process. We watched hamster videos. We, you know, read about their care. And um, the last thing that we did was we went to the pet store and we asked to hold one of the hamsters, uh, in, to which I got told no. Um, now, I was really surprised because I have a good relationship with the people in the pet store. Um, I had done dog training classes there and I've been going there for 11 years. So it was like, what do you mean, no? And I was told that the hamsters bit. In fact, one had just got returned that day um, for biting. What they did tell me was that guinea pigs are a lot more friendly. So this is how, like I had mentioned last week, it evolved from getting a hamster into getting a guinea pig. Now, are there, there are some things that I realized that probably were better about the guinea pig than the hamster, and one of that being the size. My son was a younger child, and possibly if we did end up getting him a hamster, hamsters are quite small. If that hamster did um, tickle his hand or, God forbid, nip him, he probably would have dropped it, and um, it could have escaped or got hurt. So in hindsight, a guinea pig was probably a lot better fit in the fact of a size for my son. It's a lot calmer. It's a more interactive and friendly animal. And all this um, I learned by doing research. So in this case, I was very blessed to have a pet store employee who um, didn't tell me, no, you can't buy a hamster, but basically told me, told us, no, we're not going to let you hold a hamster because they bite. So I was very appreciative of that. Um, so then we started doing research. We started doing the same thing, involving my son in research. Let's find out what kind of care guinea pigs need. Let's find out um, what environment a guinea pig needs. Let's find out, um, you know, how what's the food that guinea pigs should eat and if it is something that we are able to handle as far as their care and um, living environment. So in doing that, we also learned that guinea pigs are herd animals and they should never live alone. Now, this is something, like I said, um, the pet store would have been willing to sell me a guinea pig, would have never told me that guinea pigs should not be by themselves. In fact, guinea pigs are 
if you go to a pet store, a lot of times are by themselves. Um, but guinea pigs are herd animals and they don't do well living alone. So that is something that research really helped me on. And, um, and, and so then I knew that probably getting two girl guinea pigs was much better um, and would provide a better environment for the guinea pig that we did get than just one. Also, how much is housing and food, uh, toys, treats, uh, medical care, even small animals like guinea pigs and ferrets sometimes need to um, go to the vet. Now, one thing that I know about um, as far as ferrets that a lot of people don't realize when they first get one is that ferrets have a lot of health issues that come about. Um, they get adrenal disease, they get insonoma, and these are very common. Almost every, every ferret gets that in their old age. And those bills for treating that can rack up. So you want to be sure that you're going to be willing to handle things like that. If, that. if that is something that you're willing to do, then by all means get that pet. But if it's a little too much for you, then steer away from that and maybe get something that possibly is uh, less cost worthy as far as medical issues. So as tedious and, and sometimes boring as research is, it really is a must if you are going to be a really responsible pet owner. You really need to know what you're getting into first and really decide if this is something that you and your child are willing to put into the work that that animal requires. So um, if your child is willing to do their part, if you feel like they're able to handle some of the care or guided care of this animal, then that's great. Next week, we're going to talk about where some really good places are to do that research. So that way you're just not floating around on the web wasting hours. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you some places that you probably want to go to and save you some time on that research. So I'll see you back here next week. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast of Why Does My Dog Do That? And if you did, don't forget to favorite and subscribe so you won't miss next week's. If you've been listening to these podcasts for a while and enjoy them, could you please go to someplace like iTunes and leave a favorable review because this helps your fellow animal lovers find these podcasts a lot easier. Do you have a why does my dog do that question? Maybe you know of a crazy outlandish pet product you'd like to see featured on a future podcast. Or maybe you just have some comments you'd like to share. I want to hear from you. You can leave them for me in one of two ways. First, if you're listening to this on the Anchor app, just press that message button and leave me an audio message. Or you can always go to my website, www.followaprilslead.com. I'll have that link in the descriptions. Did some of the information I shared with you really help you and you feel like you want to leave a monetary donation? Well, you can do that by going to anchor.fm backslash dog mentor. If you do this, make sure you screenshot and email it to me at dogtrainerhk at yahoo.com. I'll have that 
in the descriptions because I want to give you a shout out on a future podcast and also a gift. Take care of your dogs and love them. They'll love you for it. I hope to see you here next week for another Why Does My Dog Do That podcast.